Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah, there's an old saying that sometimes you don't know how much you love something or you would miss something until it's gone. Not 100% sure that that's accurate with college football because we all love it. And certainly we have missed it. But maybe there's a little something there. Maybe we're going to appreciate it just a little bit more. Welcome to game week. We have made it almost to the starting line. How good does that sound? Seven Southeastern Conference football games coming up on Saturday. They get started at 11. They'll run for most of the day and then into the evening. And it is going to be glorious. What's up, boys? I'm just glad that I can stop pretending like I care about the games that we've had the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, Aww. I know like football's great. I love football. I watched a lot of it. But did you did you happen to sit down and really consume Tulsa and Oklahoma State? Did you watch that game? It was an atrocity. It was bad. It was, bad. It was a horrible it was football game, and I'm so glad that starting Saturday, I don't have to pretend to care about Tulsa, Tulsa Oklahoma State anymore. That's uh, that's fair. It, it really is. I, um, I'll be honest with you. The NFL has kind of grabbed my attention and hasn't let go for the first two weeks. It's been really, you know, really good. Th- there was a little bit of novelty to it because it was the start of a new season for week one, but there were interesting games. Then yesterday, my goodness, you can't ask for a whole lot more than what you got in Dallas, Atlanta. Can't ask for much more than what you ended up getting with Sunday Night Football last night with uh, with Seattle and um, Cam Newton's New England Patriots. Sorry, Patriots. I just completely blanked. And some afternoon games. I mean, the the, the Chiefs game with the with the Chargers was far closer, I think, than anybody anticipated it was going to be. Ends up an overtime victory. Ends up not a cover. I think that snapped a string of ten straight that the Chiefs had covered. That did not happen yesterday. So uh, some really interesting stuff in the NFL. We'll get into a bunch of that this afternoon. Remind you as we get started that the ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. At ceasefire, they're always asking the big questions like, why wait for the next device to get the device you want? Uh, sorry, the device you want right now. You can get any iPhone for $100 off at your local C Spire store and online at cspire.com. But don't wait too long because uh, that deal won't last forever. Hey, Dad, what's up? Not a whole lot. I didn't watch a lot of NFL yesterday, but I had a good reason for that. Lakers? No, that was that was that last night. No, I got the call that I could go out and cover Mississippi State baseball scrimmage at Duty Noble Field. I, I, I saw you tweet that. I took full advantage of that. How was it? 
It was so good. Oh my gosh, it felt good to just be outside looking at sports again. They they put us on the uh they 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 wanted us outdoors, so they put us on the rooftop of the left field lofts. And uh mm. it was just four of us. We spread out, sat there in the shade, watched baseball. I, I almost shed a tear. I was so happy up there. It just felt for the first time in seven months, I felt totally normal. It was great. That's pretty cool. And a beautiful day to do it. I mean, just a beautiful weekend oh. all the way around. It was a little disappointing that we didn't have football this past weekend, given what it would have, would have been like. Uh, who would Mississippi State have played this weekend in the original schedule? Arkansas. Okay, they would have had Arkansas. And Ole Miss would have hosted Auburn. And goodness, I mean, on, you know, mid 70s on Saturday with a little North Breeze. Tell you what I did on Saturday. For the first time, since March the 7th, I sat with a headset on and did a television broadcast. It was all hey. this soccer. Their season opener against Texas A&M originally was going to be an SEC Network Plus broadcast. About a week ago, they decided to put, uh, because there was you know no other content, they decided to put all the soccer matches this weekend on, uh, on SEC Network. So it was uh, real live television. And even though it didn't ultimately go the way that uh, Ole Miss fans would have wanted or Ole Miss soccer fans would have wanted, it was so cool. And and you know what, Borky, you're going to think I'm crazy because in terms of schoolwork, I was the worst. Bad at doing homework, didn't like to study. It all just felt like drudgery. But the things that I didn't do when I was in school, I have to do in preparation for broadcast, whether it's you know radio or television or radio show or any of those things, and it was, you know, staying up till twelve thirty or one in the morning, you know, getting three and a half hours of work in after everybody else goes to sleep in my house, two or three nights last weekend in preparation for that. It it, it felt magical. It was like I love this. This is great. So <laughs> even though it was um, the wrong kind of football, but still, hey, it was it, it, it was it was sports, and they were awfully excited to get back and. It went off without a hitch, too. I mean, it was it was really good. We had good production people that were working on it, and and so much credit. And we really haven't talked about this. I mean, we've talked so much about the negative aspects of it and the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and what they're doing. We have talked about the fact that Greg Sankey has made a lot of strong leadership decisions along the way, but all he can do is make the decisions and kind of put some of the guidelines in place. In terms of implementing this, Keith Carter and all of his staff at Ole Miss, from coaches to grounds people to sports medicine people, John Cohen and the exact same thing at Mississippi State, the groundskeepers who are responsible for making sure the field's ready to go, the concession workers, the marketing people, all of these people together have put in so much work that's different than a normal year to get us to the point where we can play. And, yes, there's only a quarter capacity in the stadiums, and, yes, there are fewer uh, seats in the press box, and maybe concession stands are going to look and feel and taste a little bit different. But we've gotten there. We, we have made it, and those people deserve so much credit for all the work that they've put in to get us to this point. Because there's a lot going on behind the scenes. You've seen it, hey, yeah. Dad. It's happening yeah, in Starkville every day. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I mentioned this on the podcast. I wish somebody had listened. I thought that they should have opened up one of the scrimmages to the fans and, and, and to the media just to get a dry run of, hey, this is how we're going to do things, you know, figuring out the gates and how we're going to get everybody into the stadium and all those protocols. I, 
I, I am a little, you know, Ole Miss will find out this Saturday, but it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. But that said, you're right, those people have put in a ton of work just to be able to do this kind of stuff and, and to get everybody set up to, to cover it as best they can. I think Mike Leach's response would have to that would have been no, 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 no. You, you figure up, no. out how to run the gates and the metal detectors. Let me coach my football team, and I don't want to show anything that my football team is doing to the rest of the free world if it's man, all the man, same to you. Man's been running the same offense since since he started coaching football. What's what's? I, I can just find the games on YouTube, Coach. We're good. Did you see the breaking Huge. news that we know who's going to start at least on Saturday? For Mississippi State? Yeah. How about that? The quarterback Is it KJ Costello? Bre- breaking news. But he left some doubt, though. It says or. The depth chart says or, but Leach apparently said he thinks that Costello will be starting on Saturday. So we're getting there. There you go. We'll take a peek at a few depth charts this afternoon, see if there's anything interesting as we go into the the start of the season. Mac Jones officially named the starter at Alabama. Miles Brennan officially named the starter at LSU. Um, so, what, South Carolina officially named a starter last week, and it's not Helensky. Uh, yeah. The uh, the transfer from Colorado State is going to be the starter there, which I think was a surprise to some people. Um, but maybe the fact that Mike Bobo came from Colorado State, it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, when, when the guy was a graduate transfer and followed his former coach... Uh, hindsight should have gotten us there. I, I, I guess I just didn't even put that together. Uh, but now it makes a ton of sense. Because why would you go to South Carolina as your graduate transfer when they have an incumbent unless your former coach was there now calling the plays on offense? Yeah, it certainly would make sense. And then one other big piece of news today in the state of Mississippi. It was reported last week. and It was said, it was said that it was an erroneous report. Turned out the uh, report was dead on accurate. Deion Sanders named the new head football coach of the Jackson State Tigers, and it was quite a scene at the uh, the Coliseum there on campus today as they uh, they brought Deion in for his introductory press conference. Sonic Boom Band leading the way, followed by uh, motorcycle cops, I guess you'd say a small motorcade, followed by a highway patrol car, sirens on, lights flashing, followed by a big old stretch Cadillac Escalade, and from that emerged primetime Deion Sanders. And a pretty cool speech that he gave, uh, kind of his opening press conference and uh, acceptance speech of the job. It was a little emotional for him and uh, said that he believed that the Lord had led him to Jackson State in this particular opportunity and uh, it's certainly going to be fun to watch. See what 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 is that going to look like? Prime time as the head coach at Jackson State. A lot of pomp and circumstance for that, but deservedly so. Yeah, deservedly so. Just getting started with you. Want to be part of the conversation? Don't forget, ceasefire text lines open 601-879-4395. Just getting started on this Monday of game week. We will be right back. So you may have seen the video today of the introduction of Deion Sanders. Some of the quotes from his opening press conference today is he announced officially on his own podcast, 21st and Prime, that he was going to be the head coach. He said, God called me to Jackson State. Today said, I'm truly truly blessed to be the 21st head football coach of Jackson State University. 
My desire to continue this storied tradition and history of JSU and prayerfully bring more national recognition to the athletes, the university, the sonic boom of the South, and HBCUs in general. It's very big for Jackson State University. That's what Ashley Robinson, the athletics director, said. Not only for Jackson State, this is big for the country right now, very big for the state of Mississippi. To Coach Prime, Jackson State University, a blue blood program full of Hall of Famers, it's just a great time. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Robinson, in a statement earlier today, also said Coach Sanders is student-athlete-centered and cares about young men and their well-being beyond the football field. We expect to compete for and win championships at Jackson State, and Coach Sanders will help us achieve those goals. We had some fun on Thursday, I think it was, kind of talking about the possibilities. Really is cool to see this actually happening at Jackson State. National yeah. attention. Yeah. Don't know if he'll win a game, but today Jackson State ran the college football world. And he kind of gave a little insight, by the way. So you remember last week the, the news broke, and then it was refuted, and then it ended up being accurate, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dion in the press conference today said that he got his coat that he was wearing today fitted a few weeks ago oh. with, the, with the Jackson State logo on the front, and he said... I'm not just Jackson State on the outside, and he opened up his coat, and he had the JSU logo all over the inside of his coat. Nice. But he dropped a little nugget in there. This has been in the works for a few weeks. It's like a a Rick Ray, Ben Howland situation where when they let John Hendrick uh, go, they already knew which direction they were going, uh, When I guess, when they made that move. Yeah. Um Double-breasted sport coat, too. And that's not one that you can just pull out of the closet like there's a oh, stock no. of navy blazers somewhere and hand it off. I mean, that was that was uh, very custom for uh, for Dion. So uh, pretty cool. Um, does it help them in recruiting? It has to, doesn't it? I mean, that's a Hall of Famer. And that's still a guy who people know who he is, even though he hasn't played in you know however long. They still know who he is. He's still a, a relevant uh, figure. So I think so. I mean, is, are they going to go, you know, is Deion Smith going to go to to Jackson State? No. But can they go out and get some guys that maybe had, you know, some decent group of five type of, type of offers? Yeah, sure, I think so. This is probably a bad comparison, but I think you'll get my point. He is similar to Michael Jordan in that young people still know who he is, even though they didn't even get to watch him play. You know what I mean? 18-year-olds know Deion Sanders, but they yeah. never saw him play. 18-year-olds know Michael Jordan. They never saw him play. It's a very similar thing here. So that name still carries weight. I imagine at least it gets you in some doors that maybe they weren't able to get into before. Yeah, I would think so, and I would think among the players that you are recruiting, I mean, to Haydad's point just a second ago, Jackson State is not recruiting five-star and four-star players that have got 30 Division One offers or, you know, have got 12 offers from 12 of the 14 schools in the SEC because you're traditionally not going to win those battles. But when it comes down to recruiting battles, whether it be with in-state schools or with Southern and Baton Rouge or with Grambling or, or some of the other schools that they compete against on a regular basis, not to mention the group of five programs like you were talking about, uh, maybe maybe Jackson State becomes more attractive to a player uh, that, that Southern Miss is recruiting or that South Alabama or Troy or Southeastern Louisiana or Louisiana Lafayette, sorry, University of Louisiana is recruiting and can get in on some of those guys a- as well. 
It, it and, feels like from a talent standpoint, maybe there's the opportunity for an upgrade. And, and not to mention, recently, I, I forget the, the kid's name, but one of the nation's top basketball recruits, five-star yeah. kid, committed to Howard and said he wanted to try to start a, you know, a trend of, of athletes committing and, and attending historically black colleges and universities. Could Deion, I mean, Deion Sanders, that feels like the kind of perfect storm to maybe you could pluck some four-star kid, five-star kid who just decides he wants to be a trendsetter a little bit and then wants to, wants to do that. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do know this, that for, for me, it's all about his staff. You know, this is a guy who's never been a, a, yeah. a head football coach anytime. He needs to go and put together a killer staff of guys who can recruit and some guys who can teach the game and just be that C. He Deion needs to be that CEO type figurehead. He's the guy you know in front of the program, and and he's got all this good staff behind him doing the dirty work. That's the 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 plan to be successful for me if I'm Deion Sanders. Feel like he's probably got a pretty good Rolodex. If I had to guess, you would think he's got he would be able to do that. Yeah, that he should be yeah. able to go out and. And get an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator that that know the game. You know, a couple of questions. You you would be a little curious about resources available to him in terms of building out a staff and you know what what he's got uh, at his disposal. Uh, so that would be one thing. And then the other thing, I mean, he mentioned the history of Jackson State, and it is absolutely storied. And and I don't know the answer to this question. But wouldn't you say that in terms of HBCU football programs, that Jackson State is probably in the top handful of programs in the country in terms of history? Yeah. I mean, probably oh, you yeah. would put Grambling ahead of them. Yeah, but it's close. It's close. Jackson State, I mean, Jackson State in the 80s, W.C. Gordon, I mean, that was maybe the best football program in the state of Mississippi back then. I mean, they were they were dominant year in and year out. So, yeah. it's about Walter Payton and Jackie Slater. You got two pro or Lim Barney. You got three guys in Canton from Jackson State. That's more than Mississippi State has. Pretty sure it's more than Ole Miss and Southern have. I mean, I guess Southern has Favre and uh, Ray Guy. Ray Guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, nobody else is coming to mind. So, it's um, it's pretty spectacular. It is it is absolutely a day in the sun for Jackson State, and you hope that this this works out well, uh, that it it results in you know positive, I mean positive notoriety. I understand is a bit of an oxymoron, but you understand what I'm saying that that it's something where people take note and and there's a little more recognition, and to ultimately get that and to keep that, you'll have to be successful on the field. But uh, history tells you that that's something. That, uh, that can happen at JSU. So uh, congratulations to, uh, to Ashley Robinson for pulling this off, the AD at Jackson State, for uh, the administration that got behind it, and uh, for all the work that went into that, because they certainly, uh, certainly got a win today off the field in the uh, official announcement and introduction of Dion Primetime Sanders as the, uh, the new head coach at JSU. Um, Luke Johnson is going to join us coming up in a few minutes, and we will talk about a wild game in Hattiesburg, a heartbreaking loss. Oh, my goodness, what a tough loss for Southern Miss on Saturday night. I guess a little bit of controversy. I mean, would, would that be fair, Borky? Not not really. I mean, ultimately, with a review, the officials got the call right. 
But it's yeah. still heartbreaking, and maybe that's the only reason that I would go to the controversy piece. That the and funniest. Then, go ahead. Oh, just the the hindsight now. Uh, of course, it's always twenty twenty, but still going for two early in that game came back to bite you right in that, the behind. That will be brought up later in winners and losers. For sure. Winners and losers will come your way in the 4 o'clock hour. We always uh, want to hear from you. I know who one loser is going to be. <laughs> I do, too. I do too. Would, that, would that be people who gloat about their picks when they're in the middle of the second quarter? No, no. Although uh, that will be brought up. Hmm. It was already brought up on today's podcast. Uh, the Falcons wh- of Atlanta. What? <laughs> <laughs> One other thing about that uh, that replay, if you've seen the picture of it, there's the, the, it shows Jeremy McLean, the USM athletic director. He's standing and he's looking directly at it. If he stood one step to the right, they would not have been able to review that play. He would have been directly in the way of the camera angle that ended up making the difference. Got to have some if awareness. Yeah, if I could have just gotten my shoulder in the yeah, frame, just, maybe just lean. there would have been more doubt. Because you've got to have indisputable video evidence. Oklahoma State over Tulsa was a bleh game. The over-under was like 66. They combined to score 23. <laughs> I think uh, the head of Barstool, Dave Portnoy, put like 40 grand on the over. <laughs> Did he really? Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Ooh. I guess he's got it to lose, but whatnot. Um, still a lot of money. Yeah. UCF, still fast, still good, and they exploded late in that game. Surprised by the outcome in Louisville, Kentucky? Somebody told you that Liberty, watch out for Liberty, watch out for Liberty against Western Kentucky, and ooh, not only do they cover, they win. Crazy comeback in New Orleans, crazy game in Hattiesburg, wild game in... North Carolina. We'll get to all of that this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and now for the first time today on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, Luke Johnson. He's the co-host of the Eagle Hour, former Southern Miss player, and man, that was a tough one on Saturday night, Luke. Uh, felt like all the makings for a great st- uh, start to the Scotty Walden area, era, but uh, I mean, game of inches, right? What One, maybe two inches, probably the difference in Southern Miss winning and losing that game at the Rock. Yeah, it was a tough one. You're up 27-10 to 10 in the third quarter, and uh, heartbreaking at the end, um, defense uh, played a little better. Still couldn't get much pressure on on the quarterback throughout the game. Uh, as good as Jack Abraham and Tim Jones were, Tim Jones went down in the, with an injury in the third quarter. Offense really never got on track after that, but they were still moving the football, and, and they set up a screen pass in the third quarter, and the, the ball gets batted up in the air, and, and Louisiana Tech goes down and scores. It was as much as energy, as much as the – the first half, or first and the second half, started well for the Golden Eagles. Uh, it was just equally as bad as the way it ended, and it was a really gut punch walking out of the rock on Saturday night. 
Did it feel like there was more energy in the stadium, energy on the sideline, energy with the team just, you know, b- because of the new? Yeah, Scotty Walden, you know, made a big, big push for that and said they were going to play that way. And I mean, he set the tempo in pregame. He's out there. Uh, this isn't just tossing around, just chilling. But I mean, when they were actually throwing routes to receivers, he was out there, former college quarterback. He was throwing routes right beside Jack Abraham and some of the other quarterbacks. He got in there with the punt team and literally covered the punt in pregame with the, uh, the punt team. <laughs> um, and Jack Abraham told us, I, I kind of asked him in, in the, in the press conference at the end, what was different about South Alabama game in this game? Jack said this was the most energy that has been on the Southern Miss sideline since he's been a player uh, in Hattiesburg. And I think that says a lot when you're starting quarterback. Talks about how much energy it was. Started the second half when, when uh, Central Latham got a pick, and then the next play they throw it to Tim Jones and they score. That, that kind of – you didn't weren't thinking at that moment that there were 7,000 people in the stands. I mean, there was an atmosphere – especially when uh, the first few possessions of the third quarter. My only question about the energy is you understand why that it is what it was on Saturday night because new head coach taking a different attitude. They've tried to be upbeat, shorter practices, all of those things. Can they maintain that energy? Can that become kind of the identity of the program or does it all get zapped because of a heartbreaking loss? I don't think it gets zapped. I do think that it may tone down a little bit, not for the sake of it didn't work, but for, for longevity's sake. But uh, I think I told you uh, last week, I don't see Scotty Walden toning down his approach. Um, that's just the way he is. That's the way he's coached for four years. So if you watch how he coached in 2017 when he got to Hattiesburg and you look at what he did Saturday night, it's the exact same thing. So, you know, there may have been more of an emphasis on it. I know ESPN and the showed, you know, his speech and how he was in the locker room. And, and I think some people can react kind of negatively to that. I think some Southern Miss fans say, well, if you're going to be that energetic, we'll win. Well, they were up 17, and they still had a chance at the end of the game. Uh, I think Scotty will learn a lot um, from, you know, some of the earlier decisions in the game. We can talk about that. Uh, but I, I think he will mature as a coach. Uh, but the one thing you were looking at was, are they going to play with fight? Are they going to act like they want to be out there. And it was a total reverse from what you saw against South Alabama to what you saw Saturday night. Right, you mentioned in-game decisions. We just touched very briefly on it uh, a little while ago. Chasing points, I, I don't even know if you describe it as chasing points early, but but the, the two-point conversion, you, you end up sure would have liked to have had that point later on. Early on, on the first drive of the game, they were inside the 30. They had a fourth and seven. And they went for it, and uh, there was no distrust in, in a bourgeois. The, the kicker, he made a, a kick uh, in that range later in the game. He just felt like the offense was in rhythm and just simply said they had a, a five-man protection scheme. Louisiana Tech bought six. Jack had to get the ball out early. And he's walking us through that you know, in, in the postgame, which was pretty neat, and just said uh, they had options beyond the sticks, but Jack had to get the ball out early. Uh, and that's why that one um, didn't work out. And he said he's got to do a better job, you know, making sure they can get to the sticks in that situation. The two-point conversion was Louisiana Tech had given a, a look all year, or all last year, with, uh, with uh, in a swinging gate. They would put four guys up front, and they had already pre-decided going to the game. If they got that look, they were going to run it, and uh, they just missed the block. So that was, wasn't anything spur of the moment on that. And, of course, you know, you look back on it and you would have won the game or at least sent the game into overtime if you just made a different decision in one of those two places. And 
Um, Scotty, you know, he, he manned up on that and talked about that, but he did say that he wasn't going to stop being aggressive just because it didn't work out in that situation. You know, the, the going for it on fourth down doesn't bother me, especially early in the game. And I think, I think we might be trending toward a place in college football where we see more of that as analytics becomes a bigger and bigger part of the game. I didn't have a problem with it. I'm, I, I like the idea. You're you're literally your first offensive drive, and you have converted going down the field. They had you know moved the ball well, and that's one of the things they did early in the game, Richard. I mean, and, and even later in the game, they moved the football. Uh, and they, and they, I know it's uh, we're being relative here, but they rushed for 129 yards. Haven't had that in quite a while. So, you know, Jack Abraham completed 75 percent of his passes, and he was really good in the first half. And so, yeah, I, I didn't have any problem with that. Uh, I would that was that would be the one that I would say, uh, yeah, that's fine. But the, the extra point, I get it. If you have the look, go for it. Uh, but. You just got to be a little smarter there. Some people were joking about maybe he played Madden too much, but uh, either way, huh. uh, he's aggressive, and that's what you get when you when you get from Scotty Walden, and he's you know in some ways young enough to go for it. And um, I can live with that just because of uh, how the kids responded to that on Saturday night. So Louisiana Tech kind of started making their run late in the third quarter. They score a touchdown to make it 27-17 to make it a two-score game. They get uh, another touchdown, long pass play to make it a three-point game. Bourgeois kicks the uh, the field goal with 5.06 remaining to push it back out to six. So 30-24 to at that point. Um, Southern, uh, excuse me, Louisiana Tech, really impressive final drive. 17 plays, 74 yards, took four minutes and 52 seconds. They score with 14 seconds left on a four-yard touchdown pass. Obviously, that's what a lot of people have talked about. Kind of walk us through the play, what you saw, and and just kind of, I mean, ultimately, they got it right. They got it right. Quarterback got flushed out and just kind of uh, directed his receiver to run from right to left in the end zone, and he got right behind the, the defender and threw it, and initially we thought that Eric Scott Jr. had knocked him out of the end zone. And I think you guys brought it up last. Uh, if Jeremy McLean, it wasn't so much the receiver getting his toe down. If Jeremy McLean's toe was maybe six inches to the right, they don't have an angle to review it. They got the call right. Uh, but, but man, it was heartbreaking. Um, and, and just to walk back before that play a little bit, but the big story in the game that isn't getting talked about was after Southern Miss went up 27 to 10 uh, on the, the uh, Tim Jones called a touchdown pass that got called back. Uh, due to a penalty, and Tim Jones injured him, got injured on that. It, it's not an ankle or a knee. Scotty Walden's referring to it as a soft tissue injury, maybe possibly like a hamstring. But he was out of the game after that, and the offense was completely different after that. Tim Jones, at that point, mid-third quarter, eight catches for 160 yards, two touchdowns, and you don't have him the rest of the game. Southern Miss had to kick the field goal. The play before, Antoine Robinson caught a ball in the end zone that was really close. He got overruled. Uh, it was, it was called for a touchdown and then they, they reversed the call. He slid and then as he's going towards the fence, the ball comes out, but he had already been on the ground, you know, half a second or so. So Eagles got the short end of that one and then they did get the call right, but man, to, to have that much momentum on fourth and goal, to know that you stopped them and then for one of the last plays of the game to go to, uh, to go to a, a replay and to be reversed. That's why I was just calling it a, a huge gut punch. You mentioned a second ago on the ground that, that, you know, respectable night running the football. 
Ragsdale averages five yards a carry. Frank Gore averages six and a half yards per carry. Uh, only one rushing touchdown. That was Kevin Perkins on, on his five carries, where he averaged seven per game. You think there's something to build on there in the running game? I think it is, and, and the running game opened up because they were how they were attacking um, downfield in the passing game, um, and so yeah, it is. They Louisiana Tech had to back off a little bit, and, and so they were able to run. Frank Gore Jr. in space is unbelievable. His he caught a little pass out of the backfield, juke one guy, spun another guy, and they got a first down. I mean, he, he was electric in, in the open field, and so that's something they can go forward. The obvious thing is Louisiana Tech was missing six starters. So, and they hadn't practiced much. And so I guess that's the double insult that, uh, of pain and gut punch you're feeling again today. But, you know, you got you got to move on, and you got Tulane uh, this coming Saturday. They feel the same way you do. They blew a 24-point lead, so to see what happens this week. 0-2 start for Southern Miss with losses to South Alabama, Louisiana Tech. Uh, the game this week is on stadium uh, television. 1.30 kickoff from the Rock. Three straight home games to start the season uh, before a road trip to North Texas. Thanks, Luke. All right, guys. Have a great week. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll wrap up the first hour right after this. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Kelso, who has one of the most interesting jobs of anyone anywhere, not just necessarily listening to the show. He is uh, he's a hurricane. No, he's not a hurricane hunter. He he flies airplanes or is on airplanes that fly into hurricanes for the purposes of gathering data and storm information and whatnot. And is an avid listener to this show. He's in Ocean Springs. And he sent us a message that says Cross Borky my wife doesn't believe that you guys ever mentioned me on the radio. Can you give a shout-out to your favorite hurricane hunter while we're driving together to pick up our toddler from daycare? Kelso, consider yourself shouted out, my friend. Always good to hear from you. And I'm telling you, if if you're high, up, high enough up the ladder, I'd love to tag along on one of these um, airplane rides into a hurricane one day. He's offered it before. Okay. So he must be. I like it. I like it. Wayne says, Richard, there's an argument here concerning the distance your seven-year-old drove a golf ball. Send it, please, and settle this. Yeah, I mean, he's not hitting it long off the tee yet, but um, I'll tell you this. We were uh, were playing a a par four a while back. And he had been either hitting from like the red tees or we'd drop a ball in the middle of the fairway. And so his little U.S. kids golf set, you know, it's got a five wood and a seven iron and a pitching wedge and a putter. It's four clubs. And he wants to hit from where I'm hitting. So I guess we were playing the white tees. And he got to the green in four swings. I, I don't think he hit a hundred yard tee shot. He probably hit it 70 off the tee, and then he hit it 80 or 85, and then he probably hit one, you know, buck 20. He rolled one up to the edge of the green. Got to work on putting, though, Borky. There was like a nine putt that followed. It's okay, though. Baby steps. Putts like his dad. The U.S. Open, evidently. You guys keep giving away all the losers. (laughs) 
Wow. I mean, we could spend an that hour. video. Go ahead, Borky. No, we could spend an hour on the Falcons. So I don't know if that's spoiling a loser because breaking down every second of letting an onside kick just casually roll at your feet for five yards <laughs> while you let your opponent dive on it when it gets past ten is, I mean, that's Emmy-worthy. They look like a third baseman trying to let the, let the ball roll foul. Like I, I didn't, I don't know what was going on there. They think it had to go out of bounds. We, you can't touch it before ten yards. No, no, it's you. No, it's us. We can't touch it. No. Hey, 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 Mister Mister Team, that's on the receiving end of a kickoff. All kickoffs are live balls. Yeah, just get the ball. They just, I mean, they like avoided it as if they were downing a punt. Just oh, can't touch it. Let it go ten. They, they, like they the guy get down on his hands and knees and start blowing the ball out of bounds. Just, just. Yeah. They looked a little like the um, all the Olympic deal, where they, they kind of scrub the ice in front of... Curling. Um, it looked like they were curlers. Like they were kind of gathering around the ball as it was slowly advancing, slowly advancing. It was the only thing they were missing was the little, the little broomsticks to scrape the, the field to you know make it stop or go faster or whatever. That was weird. Really, really weird. What stood out to you from college football on Saturday? Anything? Miami 47-34 over Louisville? Yeah. I did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. A little early for the U is back, but they looked a they looked better in that game than they looked in any game all last season. Derek King, not surprising that he's really good, but yeah. you know, the addition of Rhett Lashley, who I think is going to be a name that we hear a lot in the next few months in the USM job search, uh, that's a big addition for them. That guy's a good play caller. How about UCF? I mean, it's it's okay that sometimes a team in your state that has a direction in front of it uh, is better than you. Like, it happens. UCF is a better football program today than Florida State. It's not just a better team at the moment. The program is better than Florida State right now. I'm not even looking at transitive property, although they did smoke Georgia Tech, who beat Florida State last week. UCF is a better football program right now than Florida State. And Borky, if you had said that two weeks ago, you could have included Miami. Could have. I think it's pretty clear that Florida, as a program, is in better shape, just in terms of talent and roster and everything. I mean, like UCF, I mean, Scott Frost got it rolling. Josh Heupel has kept it rolling. They are explosive offensively. We talked about this on Friday. They're fast. They're better defensively than some people give them credit for. They're fun. I would, I could absolutely understand why a guy would say I want to go play for that because it's fun. Winners and losers coming your way next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm as we roll into the 4 o'clock hour on this Monday afternoon. But it's not just any Monday afternoon. It is Monday of the first game week for 14 teams in the Southeastern Conference, and it feels great. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, 
Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open. That's where you can send us your winners and losers from the weekend. 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire.com. Here we go. Winners and losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, I don't want to get in the way of you guys because I know you have much, much on the plate. I'll give you one quick one. Bryson DeChambeau, only guy on the course that goes under par yesterday, shoots three under, including an eagle on number nine in the uh, the opening nine of the final round, and wins the U.S. Open. And you, you can't help but feel a little bit bad for the guy to win the U.S. Open and walk off the 18th green, and they're like 200 people kind of scattered about, lightly applaud, uh, applauding him. Because his performance was worthy of a massive ovation. Whether you like Bryce DeChambeau or not, whether you think he's weird, he's quirky, whatever, he transformed himself and he changed the way golf was played, not because he wanted to revolutionize the sport, not because he thinks that's how everybody should do it, but he believed that was the way that he could get the most out of himself, and it's worked. He just won a major championship on an unbelievably difficult golf course that he simply overpowered. He dominated. He didn't just win. I can't stand the guy, and I'm thoroughly impressed by him. And the thing is, yeah, he hits long balls. I mean, you know, he beefed up, added 40 pounds. And I do like the strategy of, I mean, the narrow, the fairways are so small. If we're all going to be hitting it in the rough, I'd rather be 40 yards ahead of you. I mean, you know, if I'm going to have to hit out of the thick stuff, at least I'm closer. But... The short game is what is really impressive. Yeah, he hits the ball a long way. A lot of guys hit the ball a long way. His putting, unbelievable, on top of the length yeah. that he's added. I love when a guy actually makes the putt on 18. Yeah. And he didn't just make it. it I mean, it, it was a putt that had, what, a foot of break in it? Maybe eight inches of break in it? And it was the perfect speed, and it just fell in. It wasn't one of those where you have to walk up and tap it in. You know, Not that it matters. I mean, you, all, all that matters is getting the trophy when it's all said and done. But he was outstanding. Just absolutely outstanding at the U.S. Open. And guess what? Another major goes by where Rory doesn't win it. DJ doesn't win the U.S. Open. Tiger doesn't make the cut. Phil doesn't make the cut. Justin Thomas fades away on the weekend. Patrick Reed fades away on the weekend. There is no... This is not a one-horse race. It's not a two- or three-horse race. you got a bunch of really talented guys, but the guys who are supposed to be the next... And and we probably should stop with the whole next Tiger thing. Because Tiger is either the greatest or the second-greatest golfer to ever play. But because it's still relatively recent, everybody wants to crown the next Tiger... Just enjoy these guys. I mean, Kepka didn't even play the tournament. 
Yeah, still battling injury. I mean, he's had the second best year besides DJ. And that's now debatable, but DJ was just so special winning the FedEx Cup that, I mean, you can't discredit that. But it's them two. And then Justin Thomas, as you mentioned, but he's been special. Yeah, certainly has. Certainly has. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Pretty easy choice for me. Like I said, I don't try to keep it Mississippi-related. I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, obviously the the foolishness of the Falcon special teams was a big boost, but he kept his team in the game the whole time, and he becomes the first ever quarterback to throw for 400 yards and rush for three touchdowns in the same game. What a, a tremendous fantasy day that must have been for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Um, no doubt. You know, is he going to get Mahomes money? No, but I think you know a performance like that goes a long way to securing that long term deal that he that he wants to get the on his terms. Yeah, and you know, almost, which only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. It's a true story, but almost those numbers in a loss. In which case, the yeah. story would be different. Like, eh, fine, Dak puts up big numbers, but still can't win the game. But they came all the way back, and they came all the way back in large part because of him. And, yes, there was a blunder on special teams by the Falcons. I completely get that. And and just absolutely ridiculous the way that it it unfolded. But he got Dallas in the position to have the onside kick to give themselves a chance. And then after that, got them down in field goal range. Porky, give me a winner. Uh, how about probably the best kicking performance you'll ever see from Harrison Butker of the Kansas City Chiefs? Overtime game. Fourth down, lined up to kick a game-winning 53-yard field goal. Snap is good, hold is good, kick is up, he drills it. But hold on, false start. 58-yard field goal they line up for. Snap is good, hold is good, kick is up, drills it again, but hold on. The Chargers called a timeout. Third game-winning field goal from 58 yards. Snap, hold, kick, drills it again. Three game-winning field goals in a row after a false start and a timeout from 53, 58, and 58. That is awesome from a kicker. I mean, just clutch doesn't even describe that kind of performance. And, And then, oh, by the way, kicks one in overtime to win it as well. That's what I was referencing. Oh, those were, I thought I, I thought no, you meant at no. the end of regulation. No, that was overtime. I'm that sorry. Was, that was to win the game. So 53 false start, 58 timeout was called right before the kick, which by the way, the electronic whistles, we need to stop that. That was all for optics anyway, but it's causing plays to get extended further than they need to be and people are going to get hurt because the yeah. whistles don't work. But 53 false start, 58 timeout, 58 game winner. In a row. Who knew that we were going to go back-to-back kickers and winners? Crazy, right? Steven Gostkowski had the biggest nightmare performance that you could possibly have in his season opener. I'm talking about a guy that potentially, as a kicker, is going to be a Hall of Famer. He missed three field goals and an extra point for the Titans in the season opener at Denver. And then what happens? The game comes down to Steven Gostkowski making a field goal to win it, and he does just that. Fast forward to yesterday, tied at 30 in Nashville. Titans need a field goal to win the game. 
It didn't cut Steven Gustkowski like so many Titans fans wanted them to do during the season opener. They kicked him around, and then a guy who, again, has the potential to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, follows it up with a 49-yard game-winning field goal with a minute 36 to play to put the Titans up 33-30. to He said at the end, after it was over, to get a chance to win at the end of the game, that's what you practice for. Luckily, we were able to come through today. It's exciting to win and get the Titans to 2-0. I was, I was reminded of, um, well, never mind. That's too Pollyanna-ish. I was going to reference Casey at the bat and how mad people in Mudville were at him when he struck out and then long is the road that never leads to blah, 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 where he comes back and in Casey's revenge knocks the cover off the ball and they never find it. I don't know if it's exactly the same. But uh, the the line between being a hero and a goat in the NFL is sometimes a uh, a pretty thin one, and he's gone hero back to back games after establishing himself as a goat in the uh, in the season opener. Any other winners? Yeah, keeping it with Mississippi. Mississippi's Gardner Minshew. I know they lost the game Ooh. yesterday, but he's saying tank for Trevor. My rear end goes thirty of forty five yesterday. Threw a couple of picks, but still. 30 of 45, 340, and three touchdowns. You want Trevor Lawrence, you're going to have to trade up for him. That's what he's saying when he plays every week. Titans go to 2-0 and after that 33-30 to win. We'll continue winners and losers after the, break, after the break, plus get to some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We will be right back. Some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line. Kim and, uh, Tim in Columbia says the electronic whistle in college football needs to disappear. It's so annoying. Not sure why the referees are required to wear those useless masks. That is stupid. It, that's the kind of thing. I understand the the concept of control what you can control, right? It, it, like the players doing the jersey swap after the game. And in your mind you think, that's so stupid because they just tackled each other for three hours. But if you can limit as much contact they have with each other as possible, I guess it makes sense. But a ref blowing into a whistle is not giving anybody COVID on a football field. On top of the fact that the ref has to be tested before he takes that football field and that test has to be negative. That's the kind of stuff where you're either out thinking the room or you're doing it for optics purposes. Like you see a news reporter who's in a... a outside completely by themselves with a mask on. Like, that's just optics. Because you're, you're not giving it to anybody in that moment. Same thing here. Just quit the charade, give them a real whistle, because somebody's going to get hurt if they keep allowing this to happen. Jason share, shares a story with us. Jason, who listens in uh, in Flagstaff and uh, hopefully is on the mend after some, uh, some health issues, but uh, loyal listener. You know, I mentioned horseshoes and hand grenades where uh, only time that close matters. He said, I had a, a couple of close stories regarding hand grenades. Pucker factor of 28 on a scale of 10. 17, 18-year-olds about eight minutes out of boot camp go through legitimate grenade training. He says one kid tried to throw a grenade about the size of a, a can of Campbell's soup like it was a baseball. It went about three feet and stuck. We got out of there or masked up. That idiot nearly went in his pants, then became a walking snot bubble, having forgotten all of his bearings. He didn't retreat or put his mask on. They literally had to go back and carry him out. 
He says, we laughed. Karma is among the best trainers in the military. <laughs> you got to toss it. You can't, you, you can't wind up and throw it, I guess. I guess. Uh, Linda from Fulton. Loser, the Atlanta players that did not fall on the onside kick by Dallas. Now, hey, Dad, this is one that you wanted to address, I believe. Feel free to elaborate. Well, I mean, we sort of already hit on it, but, yeah, that is a uh, – it, it literally looked like, like I said earlier, a third baseman watching the ball try to go foul. I don't know – I don't know how long you've been playing football and you don't know how a kickoff works. That is, that is 100% on coaching. I, I, can't, I can't say anything else. Uh, the Falcons falconed it again. You said earlier in the season, oh, the Falcons, they have a lot of talent. They have to be good at some point. No, they don't because they're not smart football players. They're poorly coached. And if you're poorly coached, you just don't have much of a chance. That's not the loser I wanted to do, though. They're really good offensively, though. They're not bad. Those boys can score. They are. I was listening to that game at one point, and Brad Sham, the uh, the radio play-by-play voice of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, said, Calvin Ridley on the catch. He's now got 57 catches for roughly 7,000 yards today. <laughs> He's pretty good. <laughs> pretty Saw good him day. In Alabama, geez Louise. But the real losers yeah. this weekend for me were anybody who drafted in a fantasy draft first, second, or third this year. Because first, second, and third were more than likely Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Two of those three are out four to six weeks. Barkley's out for the season with a torn ACL. So if you drafted seventh or below, lower in your fantasy draft, congratulations, you're probably going to win your league. Yeah. Borky, apparently a loser, should be the turf at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. Yeah, to the point what where was the... it five significant injuries for San Francisco, plus Saquon Barkley goes out for the Giants. That was not there. Sorry, different, different venue for that one. But wait. No, you're no, right. No, I'm confused. Yeah, Saquon Barkley goes out. And you might be thinking of Christian McCaffrey that was in a different place, but yeah. And oh, by the way, <laughs> San Francisco has to play there again next week against the Jets. Yeah, and there's some talk about the, the 49ers players don't feel comfortable, and they're they're worried about playing there again next week. So it's new turf. It's a it's a new field, and apparently it is very sticky. It doesn't have the give like even regular field turf has. And that's what's causing the injuries, is that the players can feel when they're running and cutting that the turf is sticky and doesn't have any give, either because it's new or something went wrong in install. But the 49ers players are like, hey, we don't, I don't know if we want to do this again. Mm. Yeah. Well, Garoppolo is, is out, isn't he? I think Nick Mullins is getting he the did. start for yeah. the Golden Eagle. He'll be getting it next week, too, they think they said. Yeah. Any other losers? Yeah, this is kind of a hindsight one, but um, anybody that evaluated DK Metcalf, and it (laughs) started all the way back when he was in high school, but the amount of people that considered that dude a bust or not productive or he's going to fail, and that was like the popular thing in draft time. Somebody just shared on Twitter an old Todd Luganbill take about how 
put on the tape because DK Metcalf is a bust. And he wasn't the only one. That was the popular take, and it's been that way since he was in his prep days. How could anybody look at 6'4", 230, running a 4'3", and think that guy's not going to be a good NFL player? He had Stephon Gilmore on him last night and dusted him for a 54-yard touchdown reception. That might be the best corner in football. And he made just easy work of him. Because he's six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and runs faster than everybody. How could you, at any point, watch that dude play and think, you know what? Nah, not that good. All of those people are losers. That's one of the easiest evaluations you could have made, and you failed because you wanted to be smarter than everybody else. Did you hear Chris Collinsworth kind of going gaga when they showed the shirtless picture of him last yeah. night? They had some fun with that. Was it six four two? Forty is that two thirty five? Forty, but yeah, yeah six four two thirty five running a four three. Mm. Pretty good. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Tulane because, as Michael alluded to, uh, when it was twenty, I said on Friday show I liked Tulane in the line on that game, but I did not like what I saw from Navy in Week One. I texted you two guys at twenty four nothing. It's like, yeah, I feel pretty good about this pick now, but then. And you would think of all the teams, a 24-point lead would be safe on. It would be Navy, a team that runs the ball more than anything else. But that's not what happened. Give Navy a lot of credit. They came back all the way and and won the game. That was a brutal, brutal loss for Tulane. And, and hey, Dad, they won the game because they threw the football. Yeah, which you would never expect. No, let's see. Your final stats, Navy for the game. 7 of 12 for 146 yards and a touchdown pass. Uh, Dallin Morris, 6 of 11 for 139. Now, in today's modern college football, those sound like minuscule numbers, but for Navy, what they throw it like four times in the season opener or two times yeah. in the season opener against BYU? Basically. There's nothing. So, that's a heck of a bounce back for Navy. Hey, at 24 nothing, I thought. Man, this is going to be like a 42-45 kind of game. 45 yeah. nothing kind of game. I thought they were just going to get run off the field. Uh, instead, you know, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that a, a school that represents the branch of one of our United States military academies has doesn't a lot of give courage, up. doesn't give up, has some, has some gumption to them. I, I'm not surprised by that, but, man, that's a good comeback. Not, not to turn this into a hype thing, because they get plenty of hype here and you're out whether they deserve it or not. But Notre Dame looked pretty darn good at home against South Florida. 52 to nothing. They beat South Florida. That's pretty impressive. I mean, South Florida's not terrible. Um. No. Does Tulsa fall into the loser category for not being able to hang on? Because for the first half of that game, they were the better team. No. What about Duke? That's a bigger loser to me. I, you know, we talked about Notre Dame just a second ago, and they played okay against Notre Dame, but then they go and lose twenty-six to six to Boston College. Yeah. I love this text about Adam Gase. <laughs> That's a good one. Read it. Loser Adam Gase. That guy isn't qualified to coach JV at Bogue what did you say? The, what was the name of the city again? I, I think that's taking a shot at me, or at least I hope so, because Dude. of that that day where all the all the tornadoes happened, and I could not get 
that you name still can't right. get it right. That's, what I, that's what I was calling it back then. I didn't you know. called it Cheeto back then, I think. Yeah, Boca Cheeto. God. <laughs> Man, I was in a high-pressure situation. I didn't have time for pronunciations. <laughs> oh, goodness. I thought that was uh, a double shot at me. I guess I, I'm, I'm giving you too much credit. I mean, that's a real high school was it, football team. You know? I know. Was it Bob and Boca Cheeto? Yeah. Yeah, that was Joe Moorhead's guy. He didn't care about what that guy thinks. Bubba says winner, University of Miami kicker Jose. Uh, we'll just go with Jose. Four of four field goals, including a 57-yarder and five of five on extra points. Yeah, Miami was impressive. They were really impressive against really Louisville were. on Saturday night. Yeah. And they looked fast, like old Miami fast. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. All right, so let's run through the NFL from yesterday. Cowboys win 40-39. to They were getting absolutely drilled early in that ballgame and looked hapless. They were down, were they down 24-0? Is that right? No, it was it was twenty to nothing though. Twenty to nothing. Okay, it was, they were down seventeen and kicked a field goal and it, whatever the mechanics of it were. Down twenty to nothing to start the game. Then they kind of started chipping away, and it got closer and closer. But even at the end, I mean, they scored the late touchdown, and then they've got to kick the onside kick, which is you know those don't work out very often in the NFL. But that's because most teams. Um, actually try to recover the onside kick when it's kicked to them. They know how to field it. Yes, they do. Dallas, in the third quarter, outscored the Falcons 14 to nothing, despite being down 29-10 at the half. And then they outscored them 16-10 to in the, uh, the final quarter. And the numbers for Dak again. Now... You think Ezekiel Elliott was happy for Dak when it was over? So Dak goes 34-47 for 450 with one passing touchdown. He had five carries for 18 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Those are supposed to be Zeke's touchdowns there, aren't they? (laughs) You would think, yeah. Probably some contract incentive stuff there as well. Speaking of the start of the game, did you see exactly how Dallas started? Here's their first few possessions. Punt after three plays. Fumble after three plays. Punt after four Turnover on downs, which was a uh, failed fake punt. And then another fumble. That's how they started the game. So punt, fumble, fumble, turnover on downs, fumble. That's how they started the game. Did you realize that in that game yesterday, you had three of the top four all-time receivers at Alabama on the same field? Oh, wow, yeah. You would have, yeah. Amari Cooper at number one. Calvin Ridley at number two, Julio Jones at number four. All-time receivers at uh, at Alabama. So they rejoice in Dallas. They're one and one. The Falcons, not much rejoicing happening in the Dirty Dirty, where uh, they fall to zero and two on the year. Mitchell Trubisky, seventeen thirteen. I messed that up earlier. By the way, the Giants were on the road that yesterday. It was San Francisco against the Jets, but San Francisco will play the Giants at MetLife Stadium next Sunday. So, 
Anyway, got off when we were talking about the turf there. Anyway, Trubisky and the Bears win 17-13 over the Giants. The Giants are not very good. And now they lost their offensive identity in Saquon Barkley. You know who is good? Aaron Rodgers. Pretty darn good quarterback. Numbers didn't blow you away yesterday. Very efficient. 18 of 30 for 240 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Aaron Jones, the running back for Green Bay, 18 carries, 168 yards, 75 of them coming on one carry, and two touchdowns. Stafford was okay. Detroit. Kind of like I said about the Giants a second ago, not very good. Yeah, and Matt Patricia. That's a place that, remember, Schwartz got fired after going 9-7. and seven. And then now they have Matt Patricia, who's lost 11 straight games. It's not going to work out. He's supposed to be the defensive guy. I mean, that's why they hired him, right? He was going to bring that hard-nosed defense, and they're going to win games through defense, and they get smoked every week. I mean, what do you expect Matt Stafford to do when you're giving up 42 points? You know what I mean? And no matter how yeah. good he plays, you're losing. So uh, he's not long for Detroit, and they're just going to do the cycle all over again. Talking about the Titans earlier, that was a fun game in Nashville yesterday. Titans get to 2-0 and after winning against Denver on Monday night. Quick turnaround, but at least it was at home. They beat the Jags, who are a team that is more fun to watch than we thought they were going to be. Colts beat the Vikings. Bills get a win over the Dolphins. Uh, Josh Allen, whoo, 417 yards and four touchdowns through the air and trucked a guy on a scramble, broken play, run him over, just drag him to a first down. He's a big dude. Yeah, he is. And he can run, too, for his size. The arm strength was always there. There were a couple of balls he threw yesterday that were just – they were pretty. You know what I mean? Just, like, 55 yards on a dime. That like that arm ability's always been there. But when it's on like it was yesterday, you kind of see why they drafted him because he looked good in shorts. Not because of his college production. He showed that yeah. yesterday. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Niners pretty good, 31-13 over the Jets yesterday. They cover with no problem, but injuries took a toll. How long is Garoppolo out? Do we know that? Four to six? Don't, or is he three to I five? Garoppolo. Haven't seen a, a timetable, uh, but he's not going to be starting this coming Sunday. I don't think, it, yeah, he hasn't been ruled out, though. Rams absolutely crushed the Eagles. Jared Goff, three touchdown passes go all the way across the country. So a Monday night opener for them, opposite side of the country. They come east, they play early, and just rolled over the Eagles. Eagles stink. But the the Rams, I said that. I said I thought they were due for a bounce back. They're they're not bad this year. No, we'll see what happens right. when they get into, into divisional play. But, you know, right now they're playing well. Steelers go to 2-0 and with their win over the Broncos, who fall to 0-2. Big Ben, pretty good, 311 yards, two touchdowns. James Conner had 106 yards on the ground, had a touchdown as well. Injury bug. Uh, that It was bad yesterday. Drew Locke now out for a few weeks. Yeah, I think three to five weeks is what I saw on Drew Locke. Jeff Driscoll takes the reins. In a, yeah, no in doubt. Do you realize he was in the NFL and was the backup quarterback for the Denver Broncos? Hey, no clue. Nor did no I. No clue whatsoever. Nor did I. Bucks beat the Panthers. Touchdown Tom Brady looked oh, pretty good. 367 passing for Teddy Bridgewater in a loss. Uh, Tom Brady yesterday goes 23 of 35 for 217 with a TD and an interception, but the story was not Tom Brady. The story was Leonard Fournette 
12 carries, averaged 8.5 yards per carry, two touchdowns on the ground, had a 46-yard run. He kind of looked like the old Leonard Fournette. It's almost as if Tampa Bay has acquired a bunch of weapons and have a really good coach, and last week, after a weird offseason, is not an indictment on the quarterback or the team at all. Like, maybe let them play two games before you declare Tom Brady dead. <laughs> and Brady was okay. That touchdown pass was sweet. That back shoulder throw. It was. He's got it some was juice really, left, really man. I'm telling you. I know he's older, and it, it's not the yeah. same as it was in 2005, but he's still got a little left in that tank. Yeah, he he's not done. He, he'll be fine. I mean, You know who's a fun the, team? The Saints are good defensively. That's all you can, you know. That's true. That's true. Tell you who a fun team is is the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Who are now 2 and 0. And Kyler Murray is a fun quarterback to watch. Chiefs win it in overtime. Justin Herbert is a big dude. He's a Chargers starter. He took some shots, but he delivered a couple of shots as well. Went head up on the sideline with a linebacker, goes down, pops right back up. Linebacker had to be helped off. There was Big a boy. huge collective eye roll today that you could just feel through the computers when Anthony Lynn said when Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he is their starting quarterback without question. It's just so annoying. It's another another coach doing this thing. Like we 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 all know you spent a first round pick on the guy. He showed you he can play. Get him out there. Yeah. Makes sense. Ravens run the Texans in Houston yesterday. Despite 275 yards passing for Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson goes 18 to 24, 204 yards and a touchdown. 16 carries for Jackson for 54 yards as well. They're good. They're really, really good. 33 to 16, never in doubt. And then Sunday night football last night. What else would you expect from the Patriots and the Seahawks? other than a play down around the end zone to end the game and decide the game. You had the Malcolm Butler play in the Super Bowl that gave the Patriots a Super Bowl win when he picked off Patrick Mahomes. You had the Monday night game in New England where, um, I'm trying to say Gostkowski, but Gronkowski, not Gostkowski, kind of got locked up with the DB, no flag, Ball falls incomplete. Chiefs win it. And then last night with the I'm sorry, the Seahawks win it. The Seahawks seemingly in control. They have to punt it away. Cam Newton, by the way, looks healthy and invigorated and just in case you forgot, has a howitzer for a right arm. Drives him down. I loved the play call at the end. They need two yards for a touchdown to win the game. They really haven't stopped Cam Newton on the the kind of lead play with him running it himself. They run it left, but uh, backup linebacker submarines a fullback and basically takes out Cam Newton all at the same time. End over end, stops him at the one-yard line, and the Seahawks walk it off for a 35-30 win against the Patriots. That was a f- I, I, I'm using fun a lot. Forgive me? Yesterday was an awesome day of football in the NFL. really was. It was fantastic. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. 
Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm on this Monday afternoon. Good to be with you. You want to be part of the conversation, you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Mississippi State will meet LSU in the season opener on Saturday afternoon. Not Saturday night, but Saturday afternoon in Tiger Stadium. Hey, Dad, Mississippi State's depth chart was released today, Mm -hmm. and I'm scrolling through the notes trying to get to that page and haven't found it yet. What stood out to you? Uh couple of things uh and you know first and foremost uh, they had scott lashley listed as the right tackle but that was just reported by paul jones of 24 7 that he'll be out for the season uh so that so scratch his name off of there um tyrell shavers getting the starting job over osiris mitchell uh, we had heard a lot that shavers was having a good camp uh and that's a guy you know with huge recruiting pedigree so you know him getting that job is i feel like that's a good thing for mississippi state uh, he and Malik Heath are the outside receivers at the start with Austin Williams and Javante Payton inside. Um, defensively, only one real surprise, and it's a, it's a big one, and that's at strong safety where London Kraft, who is a junior walk-on, is listed as the starting strong safety. I would have thought that was going to go to Fred Peters. He's listed as a starting free safety, where I thought that would be Colin Duncan. So Kraft sort of coming out. That's a guy I've not heard anything about. Somebody asked me, like, what do you know about him? I was like, I know he's a starting strong safety. That's literally all I know about the guy. Um, so that's a little surprising. Uh, Austin Williams listed as his first punt returner. That's a little surprising as well. Uh, but by and large, not a, not a ton of surprises if you've been keeping up. Uh, the, the depth chart looks about the way I would have expected it to. The opponent for Mississippi State LSU. You know, what they do on the depth chart, especially for the season opener, they always place in bold returning starters. On the offensive side for LSU, there are two. This is not new news. We've talked about it. But it's still a little staggering to see it right there in black and white. Austin Deculus at right tackle as the starter, the senior. And Terrace Marshall, the junior wide receiver. Aside from that, it's all new names. On the offensive line, Dari Rosenthal, Ed Ingram, Liam Shanahan, Chase Hines, new starting tight end, and it's expected to be the freshman Eric Gilbert. The wide receivers, freshman Kayshawn Butte, or Boot, or Butte. I think it's Butte. Yeah, thank you. I'm almost positive that it is down there. Uh, here's a name you recognize, although was not he didn't catch a ton of balls a year ago. Racy McMath, one of the wide receivers that's back. Had a huge day in Startville. Miles Brennan announces the starter of the six foot six foot four, two hundred ten pound junior. His backups, TJ Finley or Max Johnson, both of which are freshmen out of high school. And Chris Curry looks like he's going to be the starting running back. They've actually got John Emery listed third on the running back depth chart. That's surprising. Yeah. Defensive side, Glenn Logan, returning starter as a defensive tackle for LSU. 
Derek Stingley Jr., maybe the best cornerback in the country, certainly thought by many to be so, and Jacoby Stevens, the free safety. So you have a senior on the defensive line, a sophomore, although a really good sophomore, and then a free safety who's a senior. That's it in terms of returning starters for LSU. Like you said, I mean, we knew this, but it's shocking to see it on paper. Still a ton of talent. Oh, yeah. The experience is definitely not there this year. I mean, the two running backs replacing Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, are either a four or a five star, depending on your favorite service. So, yeah. You don't know who they are yet, but you'll probably know soon. I would imagine so. I mean, remember, we did that with Clyde Edwards, Hilaire two years ago. It's like, who? Oh, just who's another... this guy that's next? Oh, oh. Yeah. Show at the guy that ended up going in the first round of the NFL draft. It's LSU. It's running backs. They've got one. One of those guys will rush for, when ten games, a thousand to thirteen hundred yards. Hot take. Doesn't feel like one. Mm. Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. I know we've talked about it for a while, but since it's game week, let's walk through who's playing, when they're playing. Where you can watch it and what Vegas says the number is. College Football Fix is coming your way next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thank you for being with us. The Ceasefire text line is open. That number is 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. You know there's tons going on at Seaspire, and you know that your business deserves better. So get better with a Seaspire business, internet, and phone bundle backed by real support. See how Seaspire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Time right now for the College Football Fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Truck month going on. That means good savings and your opportunity to get behind the wheel of an F-150, the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. Or maybe you need something a little bigger. Maybe it's the Super Duty or the Ford Ranger. All of those, you can test drive them at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Let's walk through the games this weekend in the SEC. 11 a.m., SEC Network. Top 25 matchup, Kentucky at Auburn. Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubelik on the call. And let's see, the line, Porky has it right here for us. Auburn as an eight-point favorite. Yeah, these lines are kind of all over the place, depending on where you look. I guess it seems the odds makers are having a hard time agreeing. At least the ones I saw today, you saw a couple points in one direction or the other, depending on where you were looking for them. A lot of people seem to like Kentucky in this one. A lot of people like Kentucky straight up in this one. Uh, Apropos of nothing, Hugh Freeze is now on Cameo. So, when's your birthday, Richard? 
Never. <laughs> you just get no. it and save it for when you figure it out. Say what? Hey, he could just get it and then save it for when we find yeah. out and then deliver it He's to you. He's on Facebook. It, it'll work, yeah. Mm. I smell a new yeah. show intro. Do you now? <laughs> uh, I was just looking to see if I could find a different line for... It's seven and a half is one that I'm looking at. Auburn only a seven and a half point favorite. Makes you think uh, maybe a lot of the early money is uh, is going to Kentucky, kind of pushing that line down. Also at 11 a.m., the Florida Gators roll into Oxford to take on Ole Miss. That game is on ESPN. We'll be immediately following College Game Day. Joe Tess, Greg McElroy, Marty Smith on the sidelines for the uh, the Gators and the Rebels. And the most recent line, uh, you've got it here, Borky, at 12. I've seen it as high as 14.5, Florida a favorite, uh, regardless. Yeah, and I, I'm fascinated to see what comes of their COVID situation. Uh, we talked about it in passing last week. I think it might be a bigger deal than a lot of people are are giving it credit for, in part because we don't exactly know who or how many, but we know that they had six positives in their program last week. Who are those six? Which means then, those six are not playing, right? Those six will not play if the test... So the report said they got the results back on Tuesday. But it's isn't it 14... Or now 10 days from the positive result. So we'll see. I mean, it's kind of fishy because Florida's not reporting anything, as they probably shouldn't, but the likelihood of those six guys playing is seemingly pretty small. But on top of that, whoever they came into close contact with is 14 days. So they are definitely out. So who are those six guys, and how many people did they come into close contact with? That's something you to think- keep an eye on. You think there's any chance that maybe Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask and Stuart Reese and oh who who do we want to pick from the defensive side? <laughs> oh, they're two linebackers, Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie. Uh, maybe those guys could uh, all be not available yeah, for the season opener. And their secondary's experience too. I, the the key to this game, if Ole Miss wants to stay in it, is uh, the ability to run the football because Florida's replacing two defensive linemen, two pretty good ones. They're both rush ends, but. They're good at linebacker. They're really good in the secondary. So if Ole Miss can run the football and open things up, that'll help. And Florida was a bad rushing offense last year. Even with P. Ryan, and, and they've got another experienced back coming back, not a good rushing offense at all a season ago. So maybe that helps play into Ole Miss's depth issues at defensive line, so you kind of have weakness on weakness there. But um, as with most football games, it'll come down to the line of scrimmage and who can control it. Yeah, I like, um, I like twelve. I don't like fourteen and a half. Really? Yeah. That's just I think it's about a two-score game. Yeah, and then yeah, that's it. fourteen and a half. Would the half would have me really worried? Hey, if you told we, me they um, lost thirty-one seventeen, I, I could buy that, but that's it's too close. We looked at state and uh, LSU's depth charts just a second ago for Ole Miss. This is what they went with in their game notes: Jonathan Mingo and Elijah Moore. On uh, one side at receivers, Dontario Drummond is the other starting receiver. Offensive line, Royce Newman at tackle, Jeremy James at guard, Ben Brown at center, Reese McIntyre at the other guard with Jalen Cunningham backing him up, and then Nick Broker at left tackle. Kenny Yaboa gets the start at tight end with Matt Corral or John Rice Plumley at quarterback. 
and Jerry Ely or Henry Parrish as the starting running back, and then the backup running backs are Snoop Connor or Tylen Knight. So a lot of oars on there. Um, defensively, Tarikas Tisdale and well is the defensive end. Ryder Anderson at defensive tackle, KD Hill at nose tackle, and then they go Buck, Will, Mike Starr. Tavius Robinson, Lakia Henry, Jaquez Jones, Dalen Gill. Interesting to me that Jaquez Jones is listed as a starter in front of Momo Sonogo. And then the corners are uh, Kedron Smith and Ja'Cory Hawkins. The strong safety is Jalen Jones and the free safety, A.J. Finley. Also, Bears repeating that we are now five days from kickoff. And Ole Miss's starting safety does not know whether or not he's going to be allowed to play because the NCAA has waited over nine months to decide whether or not he's eligible. And that's Otis Reese, the Otis. transfer from Georgia that uh, that you're talking about. Yeah. Mississippi State at LSU on CBS. Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, and Jamie Erdahl. She's on the sidelines. 2.30 kickoff in Baton Rouge. And this is another line where it's all over the place. I mean, Borky's got it here at, um, hold on, I'm bouncing back and forth between two sites. 19 and a half. 19 and a half. I'm looking at it at another place where it's listed at 16 and a half. Told you, they, they were all over the place this morning. I saw somebody that yeah. covers Arkansas, for example, that tweeted lines that she saw from somewhere, and they were basically a point or two off on all of the ones that I saw. Yeah. This is a game where the I mean Vegas just doesn't know enough about each of these teams. LSU's probably going to win. They'll probably win by two or more scores, but you just don't have enough confidence in in what you've seen from LSU, and you don't know enough about Mississippi State and what they're going to look like to 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 put to lock in a, a solid line. I would I would, if I were a gambling man, I would stay away from this one. Georgia at Arkansas. Dave Neal, DJ Shockley, Tara Talmadge on SEC Network. That's the uh, middle of the afternoon game. Kicks off at 3 o'clock Central. Georgia, Borky, you saw 24.5. I'm looking to spot where it's at 26. It's a big number regardless. And it's possible there's been a lot of movement today as well. But 24.5, when I saw it, I thought, whoa. Please bet the mortgage on Georgia to cover 24.5. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I tend to agree with you. But I don't think Arkansas is in quite the same boat that Vanderbilt's in. I mean, people are saying that Vanderbilt nah. is going to be historically bad. I think Arkansas, I think they're going to fight and they're going to punch. I mean, I don't think they can beat Georgia by any stretch. But we don't know anything about quarterback at Georgia. Every, the word around there is they're, they're going to start the freshman. They're going to go with Mathis, yeah. Okay. Well... First start on the road in a conference game. I know it's Arkansas. 26 points seems like a lot. But you didn't even hesitate on that, Borky. No, I, I mean, I could be dead wrong. And I've been tooting the uh, underdog horn since the season has started, and that's still holding true. Uh, underdogs yeah. are, are – the playing field's been leveled somehow. And I'm with you. I, I mean – if you made me choose who's going to win a game or two versus the other, the pick is easily Arkansas. But still. Yeah. The uh, the other three games, and Haydad and Borky will go through these in more detail. i got to bail a little bit early today. Um, 
You've got uh, Alabama, Missouri, ESPN, 6 o'clock, Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, Allison Williams. 7.30, SEC Network, Taylor Zarzer, Matt, uh, uh, Matt Stinchcomb, and Alyssa Lang for Tennessee and South Carolina. And then on the SEC alternate channel, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M with Lowell Galindo, Andre Ware, and Taylor Davis. So that's the TV lineup for this Saturday, the opening week of the season in the SEC. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up with you. Stevenson sends us a message on the text line, 601-879-4395. Had to double-check to make sure the mic was on. As one light there. How do you not, you know... It's dead in my face. Like, my eyes are right here, you know? Anyway, Stephen sends us a message of a parlay that he uh, is taking part in. 30 bucks to win 715, but he's got to hit all these bets here. Florida minus 13. Auburn minus the 8. Georgia minus 24.5. Tennessee minus 3. A&M minus 29.5. Does he hit? No. Where do you think he loses? Kentucky's winning that game outright. Ooh. Preview of our picks Friday. I like that confidence, though. Yeah. Oh, Hating Auburn is my brand. <laughs> Where do you get that uh, thing from the Squidbillies? Yeah. Oh, I guess I, well they got canceled though, right? We got to be careful. Yeah, you, you, you got to be careful. But yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. I like riding in my truck. Auburn sucks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do not I, touch the trium. I think I've got that in here somewhere. I'll try to find it. Anyway, it's a show about. All right, a lot of you going to roll about, your eyes about redneck squids. Redneck squids. Yeah. And they hate Probably Auburn. Big Kyle. Georgia fans, right? Yes, they they're big Georgia fans. Yeah. Big Georgia fans and uh, hate Auburn. Oh, boy. College football is here. It feels really good. I noticed something, by the way, this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you saw it in Miami, Louisville. So, remember, all of these players have recently tested negative before the game played. The turnover chain at Miami has its own personal sanitizer. So, when there's a, a turnover... And the guy gets to wear the chain for a little bit. He's got to take it off, hand it to this guy as he uses special disinfectants to wipe down the turnover chain. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's an article today, I think, on The Athletic about that guy and and, and his role with the program. By the way, if I had known that Ed Reed was going to be on the sidelines for Miami, I would have taken them to win big. (laughs) I I did not know Ed Reed. If Ed Reed, if you're listening, no disrespect, I did not know you were going to be there. Jeff is asking who has LSU at 16 and a half. I have a feeling he wants to, uh, you know, find them wager down and yeah. drop a little money down. How do you project this kind of game? So you're going to spend all week talking about it and thinking about it and all that stuff, and we're going to do the same on the show, and we're going to have people that cover the program, and they're going to answer the questions, even though I, the LSU beats a really good one, I think. Yeah. Really good people that do really good jobs down there, but you're going to hear the same thing. Oh, you know, just... Next man up, talented team, Miles Brennan's really good, blah, blah, blah. But when you're looking at, at this LSU team, what do you think is going what they're what do you think they're going to look like? Do you have I mean, any inkling whatsoever? They're still talented. They're still a good team. I don't think I mean they're gonna take a big step back, but just based on the, the team talent level. They're probably an eight and two team. I mean, seven and three at the absolute worst. I think they'll lose to Florida. I think they'll lose to Alabama, but they should win the rest of them. 
I mean, it just won't look the same as like it'll look more like 2018 LSU team did, where they struggled offensively, but the defense carried them. Bo Pelini's a good coordinator, plenty of talent on that side of the ball. I mean, they're going to shut down teams passing the ball because I mean they're just loaded in the secondary there. So yeah, they're still good, but they're not going to be what they were a season ago. So where does that leave Mississippi State going into this one? Especially that defense is what I'm curious about. Because when the decision was made and Mike Leach was hired, in running the 3-3-5 against a team that you're probably going to see a ton of running out of, isn't that the big, not Achilles heel, because 3-3-5 defenses have stopped the run, but when I read about it, when that hire was first made, that was kind of the knock is, 3-3-5 3-3-5 at times struggles against really good running attacks. Well, you're probably going to see that on Saturday. Probably. Uh, I don't. I, th- I think this defense is going to struggle regardless. They just, they're just, they don't have a lot of depth, you know. And in the SEC, it's not the first eleven that gets you. It's it's the second eleven. You know, can those guys come in and perform when they need to? And right now, as I mean, State's starting a walk on at strong safety right this second. I mean, I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't know if that's just one of those gamesmanship things, but. If that's the case, it gives you an idea of what we're talking about here. There's just not a lot of depth on this MSU defense. I think they'll be fine in the long term, but this year they're, they're going. it's going to look a lot like 2016. State's going to have to outscore its opponents if they want to win games. When it comes to depth charts, you don't do this, but there are a lot of fans especially that get really hung up on the depth chart. I've We've known Mike Leach for a long time like as a coach, but didn't get to like cover him and know what he does on a daily basis. Mike Leach... Leach in depth charts to me, mm. I feel like he's the type of guy that either just hands it off to his SID and says, just write something, or he smiles as he's filling it out. Yeah, one of the two. I, I read a, a tweet from a Theo DeRosa who covers, uh, who covers Washington State while Mike Leach was there, and he said that Leach put an or next to Gardner Minshew's name going into the bowl game. After he had finished fifth in the Heisman <laughs> Trophy rating ra- uh, rankings, he was still or. So, yeah, I I feel good that KJ Costello is going to be the starter in that case. Uh, you did crack me up on Twitter. Which one? Uh, what do you what do you pointed that out and said it appears oh, that the competition still, still ongoing. Open. Yeah. Somebody and somebody tweeted me. They're like, I expect to see a lot of Rogers. I'm like, man, if you see a lot of Rogers, that's a problem. You don't want to see Rogers unless you're down big or up big. That's it. That's when your backup quarterback should be playing in the game. We have a Florida fan that texts into the show occasionally, by the way. Yeah. And he says uh, he doesn't seem very happy about the idea that uh, Florida might be missing some players. He says the 14 days is crazy. If they feel fine, they should play. Forget the fear-driven policies. My friend, I agree with you. But those are the policies. And your boys yeah. might be without a few guys because of them. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not Trask. I mean, really, anybody else, they'll be okay, I think. But Trask, because that would change everything they want to do offensively. They have to go to Emory Jones. They're going to want to run the football a lot more than they will with, with Trask back there. This might be one you agree with from the 662. Gary Danielson calling CBS games is the only thing I haven't missed from college football. <laughs> I can't wait to see somebody get seriously injured this year and him make light of it like oh. he did a season ago. I And the thing is, like with Danielson, like – I'm not a guy who gets too overly emotional about the announcers, especially since I don't get to hear them very often. I mean, I hear Gary Danielson, what, once a year on State's off week? But, you know, this year will be a little different. But, but yeah, for the most part, I, I don't get into it. But that said, man, is he is he a little homeristic to Alabama? Yes. Yes, he is. It's just ridiculous. It's so obvious. 
And it's it's games that don't involve Alabama. Like this Saturday, you're going to hear multiple random like steer the direction towards Alabama. You're gonna it's yeah. gonna happen. Mississippi State's playing LSU after a COVID offseason, and somehow he's gonna slip Alabama in there. Yeah, it's how it Which always I mean, goes. They're the, they're, the, they're the favorite to win it all, so they'll definitely get brought up, but it's the question of are we going to spend five minutes talking about a team that's not playing in this game, which is likely to happen. There is technology. I, honestly, I don't know what it's called because I, there are bad announcers. They drive me nuts, but I'm one of those people that just like can't watch the game on mute. I can't do it. There is technology, it Just I promise you, I probably should have Googled it before I started on this, that you can sync up your... Teams like Homer broadcast with oh, yeah. your television. Do you know what it's called? Well, you don't even have to have a lot of technology. You can just there's an app DV- that does it though. You can just, well there is, but you can just you know work your DVR and hit pause, and then when yeah. you you know figure out the radio situation, you start playing, and you should be fine. So, so if you're uh, if you're not wanting to hear Gary, you can hear Neil. And, hear Neil uh, and uh, yeah, and that'll uh, and and the group. We get another text. Their card for Saturday. I love these, by the way. If you're making bets this weekend, send them to us. I'd love to tell you you're wrong and then me be wrong. But I I love this kind of stuff. So if you've got them, uh, send them like this one. He says, my card for Saturday. State plus 18.5. Kentucky plus the 8. Tennessee minus 3. Florida minus 13. The, the Florida line is a little... I mean, it's, it's. I just feel like that's going to be right close to where we are. And then State... Uh, I mean, here's the thing with MSU, right? If you told me they lost 38-20, fine. I believe that, and, and he's covering. But you could also tell me they lost 41-20, and I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah. So He also mentions very, the over-under for State LSU is 57. That does, that does seem, seem low. low. That seems a little low with those. I mean, LSU, I know they're losing a lot, but they're still going to score, and State's defense is not good, and then State's going to score as well. I mean, yeah, it, like I said, 38-20 would get us there. So. Curtis, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you here. He says, Ed Orgeron has done more with less. They're much more talented than Mississippi State. That second half, sure. It's true. But done more with less in what capacity? When was that? Every winning season he's had at LSU, they've had superior talent to almost everybody they've played. When he had less at Ole Miss, they didn't win at all. But thank you for listening. We always appreciate uh, our friends up in Tupelo. Just... I would like to know when Ed Orgeron overachieved with less in his coaching career. LSU's a different animal. That's yeah. just the truth. 601-879-4395 is the ceasefire text line if you want to be a part of the conversation. We'll get to more of your text. Also, a big Monday night football game tonight involving the Saints as they uh, open up the Roomba there in Las Vegas. We'll get to all that and more. As we move along this afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. We get a text here from uh, Jason Crowder, good guy. Does play-by-play for Mississippi State women's basketball, among other things. And uh, if you're wanting to get rid of Gary, which, that should be a t-shirt. See, this is Hashtag. why... Get rid of Gary. That's why an online store, I'm promising you, I, it's going to come. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Get rid of Gary will be shirt number one. But 
if you want to do that, you can sync the game. These are the, kind of the steps that uh, Haydad mentioned. Really what you have to do is just pause your game, pull up the broadcast however you do it via terrestrial radio or through an app or, or Bluetooth or whatever you're using, and use your DVR, which even the streaming services have that now. So I use Hulu. I don't have cable, and even I can pause, fast-forward, and rewind. So the DVR age in TiVo and stuff has really accelerated. So basically... You have to just use your game or, or your ability to pause the game and match it up with the radio broadcast. And you can hear Neil instead of Gary. It's really that simple. There's also an app, by the way. If you're a, somebody like me that likes to go out to watch games, especially the Saints, and maybe the bar doesn't have the audio of the game you're looking for, or if you're in a place where you can watch a game but not hear it, there's an app called, called Tunity. Oh, yeah. Big fan of that app. And that will play the audio of the muted TV out of your phone. And so you can do that, like, say you're laying in bed or something, and your wife wants to sleep, and you want to listen to the game, use that app, plug your headphones into your phone, and you can listen to the audio from the game without waking up your significant other. It was, uh, oh, gosh, what was her name? Uh, Kaylee Hartung, who turned me onto that app. And I had some. I mentioned it on a podcast, and some listeners told me it was perfect for fathers. And listen to this, Borky. When you're trying to watch the game, but you're holding the child, and the whole child's trying to sleep, put it through your phone and put the earbuds in, and perfect. You can listen to the game while you, while there's no sound. Yeah, that's. I love that idea. There used to be that's a uh, high end technology there. Some kind of like special headphones you can buy because I remember the infomercial. And old infomercials are so stupid. Like the guys sitting in bed next to his wife and she's sleeping and he's just like banging his head up and down, just like nodding his yeah. head so happy that he's getting to listen to the TV with these big stupid headphones on. <laughs> it's evolved a little bit uh, since then. Uh, Stuart asked if streaming video is usually behind radio. It is. So if you're going to do that, uh, I would recommend basically streaming the radio as well. Yeah. I mean, that's because terrestrial radio is always going to be first. If you're listening to the game on your car or through a real radio, that's instant. There's no delay. That is instant. You hear everything happening in real time. The, the difference between, like, my stream on Hulu and even Twitter, like, Haydad's giving you updates online, and he's a minute ahead of me. So I can't be on Twitter while watching the game, especially if it's Mississippi State, because Haydad's telling me what's happening before I get to see it happen. Yeah. Especially, yeah, for baseball, it's so bad sometimes. I had a, I got a last, uh, maybe it was two seasons ago, he said he was betting his uh, father-in-law money on plays, like during a baseball game, because he was just like, because he was checking Twitter. Grandpa didn't know about Twitter, so he's like, I bet Mangum hits a double here. Oh, okay, whatever, you're on, and he would win. So, so if you're into that, you want to wake a little extra money, follow at Brian Haydad on Twitter. <laughs> The, uh, the app is Tunity, if I'm spelling it right. T-U-N-I-T-Y? Tunity. That's correct, yeah. yeah. It's uh, extremely, extremely helpful. Charlie says, shout Great. out to his wife because she's listening for the first time with him. Hey, you poor thing. Wife. I mean, not for listening to us. We're great. I'm talking about being married to him. I don't know, Charlie. I will not uh, attempt to, uh, to judge him. Charlie's a good guy. He's a P1, so... Uh, Always glad to have him on board. We got a, another parlay. Here's a 16 parlay. 
They don't say how much it's going to win, but it's $75 in this parlay. It's Miami, minus 10, and that's Florida State, who, by the way, won't have Mike Norvell this weekend because he tested positive for COVID. Should have been on the loser's list. Should have been on the loser's list for his program stinking and otherwise. Uh, Tennessee, minus the three. Alabama, minus 28 against Missouri. Ole Miss, he's taking Ole Miss to cover the 14. Georgia minus 24, and also taking Mississippi State to cover against LSU. What's what's the line he's got for that? He he only put the wager, so 75 down does not know how no, much it'll win. No, 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 no. What's oh, the, the line on, for, for 18? I just don't know. I just don't know. I've never known <laughs> less about State going into a season than I know. I haven't seen them in practice. I, I haven't seen the players. I'll, I, I got the depth chart today, and like I said, there was names on there I haven't heard. I've never... I don't, I don't even know why y'all are paying me. I just I don't know. I'm guessing just like the rest of you. It's entertainment, not knowledge. I, I tell people, so I was at a bachelor party this past weekend, and one of the guys was like, hey, do you have to like study games more and stuff? Like, Do you watch film? And I said, honestly, dude, no. I don't know what I'm talking about. The real experts are the, the, the bookmakers. On the yeah, sidelines yeah, yeah. and the guys making lines. Those are your real scene. experts. This is just entertainment. Like, If you take my picks... That is, you can fade me and you'll probably make money, but that, that is like at your discretion. We are not, uh, we're not the, the experts here. We do have fun, though. Mike says that Ole Miss is going to win. Oh, that would pay uh, $3,375. That's $75 wager. That's a good deal if you can get it. Yeah, Parlays, they're just like burning money to me. You got you, you got to know what you're doing. You got to you got to pick. I like picking all these SEC games is fun and all, but yeah, you got to like if you're going to parlay to me, you need to find like the the closest thing to sure things as you can. Like bad teams, like Alabama, Missouri is probably a good example. Twenty eight, yeah, Alabama will probably win that game by more than twenty eight. I think Georgia might be a good one too, but yeah, you want to find those the teams that cannot score. That aren't good against good teams, you know. State LSU is such a wild card. I would not put yeah. money on it. Like I said, if you want to take the uh, the LSU money line, you won't win very much. But that's that's the only thing I would take in this. That bet is uh, from Dean and Pearl. Good luck, man. We uh, we certainly hope you win uh, both of those games. Covering even if they don't win, I know people get frustrated with moral victories. I think this might have to be a year where you're okay with it. Because of the unique offseason. I mean, they couldn't have spring practice. They couldn't really have summer workouts. And if Ole Miss and Mississippi State in year one under new regimes are already competitive with the tops of the SEC, I think that's a really good sign. I know that's not, a lot of people don't want to hear that because if you lose, it doesn't matter. But if Mississippi State takes LSU down to the wire, but they end up losing the game, you should feel pretty good about it. feel pretty good. Yeah, if State walks off the field losing 38-35... You know, you should feel really good. And I think I said on my podcast, if State somehow gives up less than 31 points, you should feel really, really good. You should start thinking that team can maybe finish 500. Because, like I said, defensively, they are just so many question marks, and they just don't have a lot of depth. No, no, they do not. And it's going to take a while. I'm still so – I keep bringing this up because I'm fascinated at that kind of defense. You just don't see it that often in college football. The three, no, three, five. no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. And 
you know, it was effective out west. And, you know, the comment I made on the Thunder and Lightning podcast was this. We talked all offseason about Leach and, like, is is his system going to fit at Mississippi State? Maybe we should have been talking about Zach Arnett because, you know, State doesn't have lockdown corners. They don't have a lot of depth. You know, they don't have a a ton of of experience up front. I mean, it's going to be a transition into this defense. And and it would be one thing if, you know, if if he was coming in in 2018 with Simmons and Sweat and all those guys, I would say, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what scheme you run with that group. But with these guys, I just, I don't know. I just don't know. I got to. I got to have to see it in person, and even then, I got to see it probably a couple of weeks in a row because you go from playing LSU at LSU to playing Arkansas at home, and so I don't know that I'm going to get an accurate picture of what they are in either game. Uh, my text line froze. Uh, is that Smitty in Oxford? Uh, Smitty, yeah, yeah. It says he would take four and six right now, but five and five sounds a lot better. And you're not kidding about that. It does sound a lot better, but. This is just my opinion. You guys are free to disagree or, or think the teams are going to be better, but I think right now, if I was a Mississippi State fan and you offered me four and six, I'd take it as long that's as it's what I have a, as. as long as it's a competitive six, right? You know, if Alabama's yeah. beating you by forty-five, then that's different. But if it's a four and competitive six, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm taking it. Same thing for Ole Miss. If it's a competitive four and six, Arkansas, I'm taking it. Yeah, I have State beating Arkansas, Vandy, Missouri, and Ole Miss. If you can do that and be competitive in the other six games. And, I mean, Kentucky, it's not really a toss-up. I think Kentucky's better. But you could go up there and win. Uh, Texas A&M, I mean, if the guys keep opting out, got a chance in that game. But by and large, yeah, State's going to – they're going to struggle to stop teams from scoring. I think they'll be fine offensively. But defensively, they got they got a lot of questions. Rob's asking about Coach Prime. Uh, we, we talked about it to open the show, uh, so you can find it uh, on demand – after we go off air or on the podcast, just search Super Talk or Sports Talk Mississippi, wherever you get your podcast, and you can find it there. But I think it's a great thing. I mean, Jackson State's getting national attention, and if it works out, the city of Jackson is going to get a much-needed economic boost from Coach Prime because people are going to be interested in what he does there, and I'm looking forward to it. Sports Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.